You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode, we're going to talk about Miriam Makiba and her self-titled album. In the room, I have Rob, Ben, and John. Yeah, Uh, Miriam Makiba is a self-titled debut album from African singer of the same name. It was released in May 11th, 1960 on RCA Victor record label, produced by Bob Bullard, but also produced by Harry Belafonte. Escaping... Harsh apartheid conditions in her native Johannesburg, uh, Miriam Makiba had found a new home in New York nightclubs and had earned a bit of momentum in the positive press. RCA Victor Records was quick to sign, uh, hoping to repeat the success of her mentor, Harry Belafonte. The album was a collection of traditional, say it John, songs, Indonesia lullabies, jazz moods, and uh, calypso romps. Uh, Makiba had a transcendent and versatile voice, but despite the critical rave reviews, the album was not a real big seller. RCA let her go to uh, Kappa Records for her second album, but came calling again three years later with the popularization of African music. So what did we think of Miriam Makiba? It fucking rules. Pilot Love it. On. Bring Love it. Yes. Stacks on stacks of this. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah. I, uh... When I first listened to this, it just started continuously playing, or started just immediately playing from uh, right after the last record I was listening to. It went right into this one. I didn't read any of the history or really know anything. I didn't even know it was going to be like a South African singer. I was only kind of like half listening. The first song plays, and yeah, and it. And with me only half listening, uh, I, I I still didn't pick up that it was like a, a South African singer. And it wasn't until it got to the click song, you know, track three, I just I had to stop in my tracks and, and reevaluate. And I, I was I was already enjoying it, but like fr- from that point, that's just, that's crazy because the first song starts out and it's that immediate, you know, almost Lion King esque. Right, right. Uh, Choir. I guess I was not listening. I was, I was at work. I was listening while I was working. Uh, but yeah, it has a very strong, you know, African choral vibe, um, which is amazing. Yeah, I thought this was, a, it's an incredible record. Yeah, her voice is so good. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah, all the, the backup singers uh, and the way uh, they come in, the har- harmonies there, clapping, you know, all the percussion is is 
really interesting. Isn't and, it Belafonte's Singers and Band? Yeah, it is, um, for, for a good portion of the album. So at least they made it into the book. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's go ahead and we'll get this out of the way. So we're all a bit upset that Harry Belafonte is not in the 1001 uh, Albums You Must Hear Before You Die book. I have no idea why it's not in there. I mean, I think all of us are flabbergasted that it's not. And then this book shows up, or this album shows up, and it's it's in there, which mm-hmm. it should be. Right. Um, but, I, uh, yeah, I don't know if it was just overlooked. Maybe it went to the printers. They messed up. Uh, but, yeah. They've, so, had, they've had revisions yeah. <laughs> since I don't, this, I don't, and Belafonte is still not in it. They have yes. not added him in, yeah. in post. Someone <laughs> owed Fred Durst a favor. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about uh, Makiba. Yeah. Uh, so I want to say, first off, you should just go to Wikipedia, stop what you're doing right now, and go and look her up and read about her life. It's an incredible story mm-hmm. um, about her, you know, representing social justice, escaping apartheid, her family, how she was introduced into uh, the New York uh, scene. Um people that she's collaborated with, just everything is is kind of fascinating. So please go ahead and, and read about her. Um, and second, I mean, uh, yeah, amazing album. I don't think there's any denying that this album mm-hmm. is has a great place and great singing, great songs, even the funny songs. You know, I love oh, uh, what, the Naughty one, Little Flea. Or? One, one More Dance. Oh, one More team. Dance. <laughs> I love that. I, I, yeah. was, I was cracking up all by myself. Charles Coleman is doing one part, but he can barely keep it together throughout the, the song. <laughs> and, yeah, I was like, his laughter was so natural. I was like, did did is this... Like, did they just, like, record their first rehearsal where he doesn't know the joke of the song? Because, yeah, the song's hilarious. But, like, once you know the joke of it, you, you can get through it without without Jimmy Falloning all over. Right. <laughs> just laughing over everything. Right, I right. like that they kept that take, though. Oh, yeah. You love it because you're laughing, you know, it, and it's the thing. You, you know, mm. you're, you're telling a joke, but he can barely... Talk about it, and she's the she's sort of the straight woman mm-hmm. uh, who is <laughs> who is doing the the hard part, and he is just you know almost messing it up, but you know really entertaining. And I don't know uh, I don't know music theory like Grady, but that song has such a pretty chord in it. I don't know. It's just like it's one of those like it, it's such a simple melody that. Uh, like your ear kind of predicts like what the chord progression is going to be because it's it's just like a, it's almost like a kid's song, yeah. you know. And then there's this one I I don't know if it's diminished or a seventh, but it's like that chord like plus and it and it just like adds this like little twinge of like pretty wistful sadness to what could have just been like a regular major chord and sounded fine. Yeah, 
But yeah, her her voice just carries you into a different plane. I mean, this is one of the albums, you know, I get goosebumps when I hear some of the songs. Um, Were you familiar with it before the... Uh, I was, I was. But, you know, you revisit and you you dig, you listen a little closer. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm thinking more and more about it. It just... It hit me in a, it was good to revisit and sort of hit me in a new way. It's a great album to sort of hear some of those interesting styles that are later um, embodied by bands like Ladysmith Black Mombazo and uh, emulated obviously on Graceland and um, just that acapella style of South African Zulu Nosa singing um, is actually called, I think some people call it, I don't know how to say the word, Mbube or whatever, which is the lion sleeps tonight like Mm -hmm. it's indicative of that style so much that they actually just call that style that word which means lion in in also i think i going into it i i I didn't realize that they literally were the same song i just thought that the tokens oh it just sounded like just like like, well i know they had this album (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then yeah I, i looked it up i'm like Oh, so is, is Lion Sleeps Tonight just the English translation of Mbube? Yeah. yeah I'm, like the, the lyrics of the song. I Mbube. think there might be some, you know, manipulation or adaptation, but right. the idea is similar. Mbube is, is Lion, and I think the story is, is similar. But Weemaway is their mishearing of the Zulu words like Uiwame and then Mbube. <laughs> right. And they just throw it into Weemaway because it sounds like Weemaway. <laughs> yeah. But enough for a gold record. Yep. <laughs> Close it up. Yeah. Cut and print. Lion Sleeps Tonight was like one of my favorite songs when I was a kid. Yeah, it has, I mean, it. I think it really represents something special when you're a kid because it has, the, it, it, it makes your brain understand different parts and how they harmonize together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And all that while being a story about a lion sleeping in a jungle, which is something a kid can wrap his head around. It's like, yeah. it's like a children's book set to music. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh Make it your beeswax to listen to this, <laughs> and I'm gonna make it my beeswax to find a copy That's of this record. And uh, every time I dig now, like when I'm going to thrift stores, this will absolutely be on my uh, my radar. It's yeah, that, that this this is something I would say is one. Of, this is actually a record you should and must listen to because it's that fucking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a a note. That she sings in the song Saduva, uh, track 12. Uh, and it's not even 
it's not like a note that's like impressive to reach. Like it's not a really high note or really low note, but it's just like this really subtle glissando. Then one second she she just like she just does like this little run of like three notes. It does like this little bell curve, like ah. But the way she does it is every time I hear it, just like that little second just gives me like goosebumps. Yeah, and it happens uh, right at like one minute six seconds, one minute seven seconds, something like that. I just like it. It's just yeah, yeah. I don't know what word it is because I don't speak the language, but uh, it's one of those words. It's like a one-syllable word, and she hits like three or four little notes in it without sounding show-offy. It just sounds so charming yeah. when she does it. So I guess that is another question I, I had. Uh, you know, a lot of the this I, I can't understand. I don't understand the language, but this it didn't hurt uh, me appreciating the album in one bit. How did you guys feel about that? No, I mean, like, it, it, it does not... Sometimes when music is done so well, the feeling you get just off of the phonetic pronunciations of words that you don't understand still elicits the same feeling that they're more than likely... The the, the feeling they want to come across is coming across, and it, the, that, that's one of the beauties of lang- or, uh, music, is it doesn't... You don't have to be, like, familiar with the language so long as it's done well enough, and this is absolutely one of those cases, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well said. Personally, I'm one of those people that I need four or five listens even to be able to tell you what a song's about. Like, I... I hear music first and lyrics second. Interesting. Uh, I'll I'll have a song. It'll be stuck in my head. Somebody like like what's the course of that song? I couldn't tell you a word from it unless like I've I've given it like repeated listens. So I'm only like three or four listens into this, and yeah, like the fact that they're in a different language, you know, it has absolutely no effect on my ears. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. You know. So it sounds like we're all in agreement. Totally recommended. You must mm. listen. You must hear yeah. this album before yeah. you die. Yeah, check it out. I'm going totally. to kill you, but it's great. first, but first, <laughs> Miriam will kill. <laughs> if, that, if, if that's the way I go out, yeah, hey. totally fucking happy. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> all right. Uh, next episode, we'll be talking about the Everly Brothers album "Date with the Everly Brothers." Thanks, guys. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye. Darling, go home. Your husband is dead. Easy did. There's no more to be said. Oh, come, my dear friends. Just one more dance. Then I'll go home to my poor old man. Then I'll go home to my poor Darling, go home The will's to be read What's that you said? I said the will's to be read Oh, no, no, my dear friends This is no time to dance I must go weep for my poor 